we uh, left off, or we didn't leave off, we finished Colossians, the book of Colossians, and so we learned a lot from Colossians, which leads us into this next book, which hopefully we'll finish today. It's just a letter to Philemon. Philemon was a, a businessman that was in Colossa, and Colossa, the church at Colossa was this, is that it was... What Rick was there we go. What Rick was talking about was it was a satellite church. It was another location. It was from Ephesus. So this church wasn't even established by Paul. It was established by Epaphras, and he says this in, in the letter to Colossians. He says Epaphras, who started this, was is actually with him in prison right now in Rome. Paul's in prison in Rome writing this letter. He wrote three letters. He wrote to the church at Colossae. He wrote to the church at Ephesus. And he wrote this letter, this personal letter to Philemon, who was a businessman in Colossa. And we know that he also housed a church in his own home, him and his wife, Aphia. He says that in this letter. And so now we know all these things, but the letter is this. It's about... It's about Philemon's runaway slave. It's about a slave who obviously has done wrong to his master. A couple of weeks ago, I said there's this word, deflogo, the one I made up, the word I made up to kind of changes as words change their definition over the years and generations and things like that. Well, obviously... Master and slave has changed over the years. This was more like a business owner and an employee. Philemon being, uh, Philemon being the business owner and Onesimus being the employee. This is the situation. So Onesimus, we don't know what sin he actually did against Philemon, but he obviously, uh, let's just say, maybe fraud of some sort, stole money, and took off, and he went to Rome to start a new life. And guess who he runs into? Paul. He hangs out with Paul. Here's Onesimus, a non-believer, doesn't know anything about Jesus, hangs out with Paul. What do you think he's going to hear about? He's going to hear about Jesus. And so now we get into this letter that Paul has written to Philemon, the business owner, about his runaway slave, Onesimus. And just remember this, Paul has never visited the church at Colossae. He wants to, but he's actually never been there. So it starts out, there's only one chapter, so there is no chapter. Uh, it says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, so Timothy's hanging out with Paul. Remember, Timothy was kind of the, Paul was mentoring Timothy, raising him up to be a, a disciple, a church planner, and things like that. But Timothy's with Paul at this point. It says, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker. Co-worker, basically saying, we're workers for Christ, that we're here spreading the message. Now, he may only know Philemon through his connection with Onesimus, but verse 19 that we get to here in a little bit kind of indicates that Paul may actually have led Philemon to a faith in Jesus Christ. We're assuming that's what happened at some point. He says in verse 2, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier. Aphia being uh, Philemon's wife, 
and also of the house church. But Archippus, he was mentioned in Colossians as possibly the, the current elder of the church at Colossae. Some believe that Archippus may have even been Philemon and Aphia's son. We don't know that for sure, but there's some connection there. And to the church that meets in your home, obviously they're doing a house church. This is very, very much organic in those times. They don't have this Bible like we have. They probably have parts of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, but they're teaching Paul's message, and all they really have are maybe some copies of the letters that Paul's written. They don't really have the Gospels at this time because it's at this point when the Gospels are actually being written. So they're getting together, and guess what they're talking about? The same thing that Cameron got up here and talked about. They're talking about life. How do we do life in Christ? How do we do life in a community? And he says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He always says, grace first. (laughs) It's grace first. It's when you have grace first, then peace comes after. (laughs) It, It doesn't go the other way around. You show grace, you give grace, and then peace occurs. Uh, imagine if our world could just figure that one aspect out. Show grace first, and then there'll be peace. Verse 4. I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers, because I hear of your love for all the saints and the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus. This is the priority for Paul. This is why he starts with this. I'm thankful for what I know about what you've talked about in Jesus. That's Paul's priority. That's the most important thing. Talk about Jesus. Talk about the good news. Write a note to people and let them know about the goodness, about the the things that God calls us to be in our own identity. Think about those things. This is Paul's priority. He says, I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. I focus there on this verse, the the participation in the faith. The participation of the faith, that, that literally covers the beginning of grasping your initial faith in your belief in Jesus, all the way to the deepness of knowing God through his word and through his creation. Uh, I know that uh, I'm a pastor because uh, Michelle and I crossed the Mississippi River twice this week, once going across and then once coming back. And both times I had to say, look, look, it's the Mississippi River, it's the Mississippi River. She's like, couldn't, you know, get excited as I was about the Mississippi River and just the, the awe of this, this river. You know, it's kind of a big deal, right? Uh, the Mississippi River, does anybody know where it actually begins? Minnesota. Any more specific? Near what? Up north in Bemidji. Actually, it's the Lake Itasca in northern Minnesota. Look, there's a picture right here. This is the beginning point 
of the Mississippi River. I mean, that's it. We, we cross this mighty Mississippi, but there's a beginning point. And as a pastor, I started thinking about this journey that I'm on, that there's obviously a beginning point of faith. That there's a starting point where my initial f- of faith occurred, and now I'm going down this river, and it's getting mightier and mightier and mightier. It's getting deeper and deeper and deeper until it goes all the way into the Gulf of Mexico. It, you think from the river flows 2,348 miles until it pours into the Gulf. The Mississippi River, it drains 33 states. In other words, when the rain comes and the floods come from 33 states, it flows into the Mississippi River. And its it's watershed, what it provides, covers half of our nation. It's a mighty, mighty river. And I, as a pastor, I'm like, you know, thinking about these things and sermons and stuff like that. And it's, it's my journey. It's my journey that I'm on, how deep I go, how far I go and what I experience along the way, if I were to compare one's journey of faith in Jesus with the Mississippi River, I'd say the majority of people are up here in Minnesota. Like most, a lot of people haven't even begun the journey. Like they're still trying to figure this thing out. So in this room right here and even outside of this room, I participate in my faith with you. But where do I have to go to participate in faith with you and outside of this room? I'm probably back in Minnesota. Even though I'm like down the river a ways, the majority of the time, I'm hanging out back here. I'm telling people about Jesus. Just the simple truth. And I think this is what Paul's saying to Philemon. He's like, the way that you've participated in your faith. He's like, you've done an incredible job. It's like, I can't get caught in the weeds. I can't get caught in the weeds. I can't go so far downstream that I lose focus on the intent of the gospel. If Paul says, like, this is priority, this is the main thing, let's talk about Jesus... I probably should do that as I participate in faith. I mean, I've got people that are struggling with anxiety, depression, addiction. Even this morning, someone pulls me aside to talk about their issues. Their sexual identities. Struggling with even just buying groceries. I mean, I've got a full spectrum of issues to deal with and I'm probably going to stay here in Minnesota dealing with just the simple things it's Matt, it was what you came up here and just said just having that dialogue in our head that what, what Cameron's saying is this whole spiritual battle and in the meantime people are wanting to consume my time with like political issues and theological discussions and I, I I'm more concerned about what's happening here with the gospel, just like Paul's saying, it's like you've done an incredible job participating in the faith, just loving people and caring for people and teaching them about Jesus. Because again, he didn't have this to go word for word. 
He was just loving people. Paul's literally encouraging Philemon here, who's a leader in the community, to remain steady in his participation in faith. And then verse 7, he says, For I have great joy and encouragement from your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. <laughs> He's saying they've been refreshed. The hearts of the people around you have been refreshed. They're not confused. They're not agitated. They're not demanded. They're not controlled. They're not agenda-driven. But they're refreshed. Like, people are encouraged listening to you and what you have to say. As compared to what was going on in the region, the Jewish legalists were coming in, and they were always demanding expectations for people to follow their rules and their laws. But Paul's literally saying, you're free in Christ, and this is what we have to teach. And then he begins to make this appeal to Onesimus, for Onesimus. It, it's estimated and suggested that there were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. Men and women who were treated like pieces of merchandise to buy and sell. Again, it goes back to the employer and the employee. The average slave sold for 500 denarii. One denarius was a day's wage for a common laborer. So literally, you're talking about two years of wages for a slave. They were very educated. They were skilled. And some of them were priced as even as high as 50,000 denarii. It just depends on what their ability was. And here's the thing. A master could free a slave or a slave could even buy his freedom. Remember when Paul was talking about, I could have bought my freedom, but I earned it because I'm a Roman citizen. He could have bought it. And now any, any runaway slave that's so disobedient to the master could actually be killed. It was that serious of a crime of what Onesimus has done to Philemon. Like a runaway slave, not only does he owe him for his services, but he probably did something else in return. And if caught, the slave wasn't automatically returned to the owner, nor was he automatically sentenced to death. So now Paul makes this appeal to Philemon for Onesimus. He says, for this reason, although I have great boldness in Christ to command command you to do what is right do what is right I want you to do what is right that's what again Matt was talking about the struggle between the flesh and the spirit there's a lot of times when our flesh says you know take revenge or get even or just get back what I'm owed versus what the spirit says it says I appeal to you instead on the basis of love I, Paul, as an elderly man, he's probably around 60 years old at this time. That's old for back then. And now, also as a prisoner of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus. He could have, Paul could have easily appealed on his apostleship and his leadership. And not, like, I'm the man that's like started these churches, but he doesn't. He's literally like... I'm an elderly man and now a prisoner. I'm in prison. He takes the humble road here 
to Philemon in, instead of just demanding something, but rather to appealing. He says, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus. I became his father while I was in chains. Paul's literally saying, I've led Onesimus to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm now discipling him. He's like a kid to me. He's like one of my own. He's important. I, I, I understand that he was a slave to you, an employer to you, and they did all these things to you, but things have changed. Things have changed. He's come to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Verse 11 says, Once he was useless to you, but now he's useful to both you and to me. Here's the interesting thing. The name Onesimus actually interprets or translates as as profitable. I know that he's profitable to you, but now he's profitable to both of us. He was a pagan, runaway slave, but now he's considered a friend and a soldier for the Lord. He's on our team. He's on our side. Things have changed, Philemon. I am sending him back to you. I am sending my very own heart. Paul deeply loves this man. They have bonded quickly. I remember how hard it always was and is to say goodbye to my parents when I would return home. I had to say goodbye to Chloe this week. It's hard to send them away. You know his parents. And this is exactly the same feelings that Paul had about Onesimus. I love this man. He says, I wanted to keep him with me so that in my imprisonment for the gospel he might serve me in your place. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that your good deed might not be out of obligation but out of your own free will. I could have twisted this, spun it differently, and make you feel obligated, but I'm giving you a choice what you want to do. Here he is. I'm sending him back. Paul wants the services of Onesimus with him, but he's given his friend Philemon a choice. What do you want to do with this rebellious slave that you could kill? But now he's transformed his life because of his faith in Jesus Christ. What are you going to do? For perhaps this is why he was separated from you for a brief time. So that you might get him back permanently. That's such a preacher's statement right there. No longer as a slave, but more than as a slave, as a dearly loved brother. And Paul's just giving him something to consider. Maybe, maybe that's why all this occurred. So that he could get away to Rome and come and have salvation. And now you're in a place where you have to decide what you want to do with this new believer, this brother in Christ. Just think about that for a second, Philemon. He is especially so to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? Like, With me, it's because we have this relationship with the Lord. Now he has that same relationship with you and the Lord, but he also owes you something. Like, 
he is your employee. Paul knows that Onesimus can serve him physically, which is part of the original contract that Onesimus made with Philemon. So there is more value to Philemon than there is to Paul. So then he does spin it a little bit. He says, so if you consider me a partner, if you consider me a business partner, welcome him as you would me. Paul's encouraging Philemon to view, view Onesimus as a redeemed man. I do that all the time in here. I mean, we live in a community and uh, we see lives transformed in here. We really do. I don't need to point anything out to anybody. You're sitting around them. But the the idea that you can receive them as much as you were received is a struggle for some people. And the fact that oh, we keep chasing our behavior, our old behaviors back, we keep chasing the flesh, we keep doing these things and how many times do we forgive them? How many times do we redeem them? I really don't need to tell you the answer to that. Right? Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, you hate, you hate to see it. Oh, but I need to protect myself. Yeah. I get it. Been there, done it. It has a, Do we know if Onesimus' behavior has changed? I don't know if his behavior's changed, but I would guarantee you it's been greatly impacted. And over time, it probably is getting better and better. The more he knows about himself, the more he knows about his identity. Yeah, he's still going to blow it. And literally, Paul's saying, I, I, can't leave, I can't leave this prison that I'm in to go visit Colossa, but I'm going to send represent, representation of myself by Onesimus to you. I mean, he's part of me. And so I'm sending a part of me through Onesimus to you. We, in this community, struggle to redeem people who have failed. Not just, not just inside of Leavener, but just inside of our community. That's, that's like, you get canceled now, you're, you're done. There is no grace before peace you're just you're done I was listening on the way here we played this song in camp and it just kept saying grace upon grace upon grace upon grace yeah that church up there that meets at Pinheads they're full of grace up there that's all they talk about is grace and you can just go up there and do whatever you want up there <laughs> heard that a few times yeah you can sure can you sure can. But if you figure out who you are in Christ, that whole desire just goes away. I'm sure Onesimus was doing the same thing. That there had to have been a... If he's going back, there had to be a form of forgiveness there on Onesimus' part. Now they're requesting it from Philemon. He says in verse 18, 
And if he was wronged in you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I don't think Paul was necessarily referring to a physical account, but an understanding, hey, I owe you one. I owe you one. But if this also moved into a partnership so as to give Philemon the aspect of not being a, a pushover when it comes to dealing with slaves and employees and things like that, maybe that's the aspect that Philemon needed. We'll just consider this a partnership. I owe you. He says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. Usually Luke is there with him, and Luke's the doctor, and he's writing all of Paul's letters. And we believe that Paul had some kind of eye issue or something, and so he wrote really big. But he's like, I, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. This is important. I will repay it. Not to mention to you that you owe me even for your very own self. Wait, wait, wait a second. I'll pay it, but hey, don't forget you owe me. Oh, what does Philemon know him for? I'm assuming, like I said earlier, this implies that Philemon heard about Jesus initially from Paul and came to faith in Jesus probably because of Paul's relationship with Philemon somehow, some way. Not that Paul was the one that saved Philemon, but it was Paul who invested in Philemon and shared the faith of Jesus Christ with him. It was Jesus that saved Philemon, not Paul. It says, yes, brother, may I benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. It's kind of interesting that Philemon's name, where Onesimus meant profit, profitable, Philemon's name actually meant affectionate or one who is kind. Yeah, my brother, may I benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, Philemon. Paul would love to have Onesimus back as his own personal slave, friend, or ministry partner, however you want to view it. And then verse 21, he says, Since I am confident of your obedience, I'm writing to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. <laughs> like, here's the appeal to you, but I expect you to even do better. The persuasiveness of Paul comes out here through this en encouragement. You know, see what I did here? See what I did there? That whole type thing. Verse 22, he says, Meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, since I hope that through your prayers I will be restored to you. Now now we know that this, this is Paul's either true missionary heart coming out here. I want to go back and revisit all these people that we've led to faith in Christ and all these churches that we started. I'm coming back. Of course, he also wants to come back to visit and do this face-to-face -face with Philemon to kind of put more pressure on him about Onesimus. What's Philemon going to say if Paul comes back here and he hasn't responded to him in a positive way with Onesimus? And so there's a little bit of pressure there, but there's also this whole missionary heart. And then his final greetings. Verse 23, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. Now, we kind of went through these names last week as he wrote the end of Colossa, but let me refresh your memory. When he says, uh, Epaphras, my fellow minister in Christ Jesus, that's the one that's sitting with him there in prison. He's actually probably the one that started the church at Colossa. He's kind of the church planter at this point. 
And then he says, uh, Mark, which is in reference to John Mark, who actually wrote the Gospel Mark. He's also the young man that was with Paul and Barnabas, and John Mark bailed on him early on, and Barnabas and Paul split, and then Mark went with Barnabas. And he was actually restored in his relationship with Paul, as you can see here. And Aristarchus, he was from Thessalonica, and he accompanied Paul to, from Jerusalem to Rome, that whole trip where he had to go from Jerusalem to Rome. We go back to Acts 19.29, and we can see that he followed Paul there. And then Demas was the, was the guy that we talked about last week, where he's mentioned three different times in the Scripture, uh, two of them very positive and one of them kind of negative, but this is one of the two positives. It was... He's mentioned here as my fellow worker in uh, Philemon's 24 and in Colossians 4.14. But if you, when we get to 2 Timothy, it talks about Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Here's a guy that was doing mission work with Paul, teaching people about Jesus, and then he went and chased his flesh. At this point in the writing, Demas is still with Paul. And I said, it happens. It happens. It happens in this very room. People who are believers, I, I don't, I'm convinced we don't lose our salvation. Once I become a child of God, I'm a child of God forever. But there are some times when we go through seasons of chasing our flesh. And as a community, what do you do? Well, Paul just set the standard for us. You lead them to repentance. The Lord gives them repentance, is the one that gives them repentance. But it also says the Lord leads to repentance through kindness, not through condemnation. And so we love these people that are chasing their flesh in kindness doesn't mean that um, I'm siding with them on chasing the flesh. It just means I'm loving them. I know that may cause confusion for people. But I'm not going to stop doing it. It's not my responsibility to straighten out what people think or what people's opinions are. It's my heart to love people in spite of the things that they do. Because everything that I saw Jesus do, that's what he was doing. He hung out with the tax collectors. He hung out with the prostitutes. I don't think he much cared about what people thought about him. And this is Paul's same demeanor. John Mark failed, but he was restored. Demas seemed to be doing well, but he failed. And then, of course, Luke, you know, that's his beloved physician who accompanied Paul just almost on all of his missionary journeys and took notes. And then the last thing he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Philemon, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace upon grace upon grace. Christ is with you, Philemon. 
we are a community that um, has literally lived this thing out. I mean, Cameron gets up here and he's like fighting for a brother he just met. Just met. Come love this man. I'm telling you guys, come love this man. I implore you, I appeal to you, love this man, Dustin. That's what we do. That's what Jesus did. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Lord, I pray uh, that we understand grace even more today. Grace upon grace upon grace. As we have been given grace by you. And so, um, may we love this community. May we be truthful with them. May we be honest with them. May we speak your truth. And I pray that um, we're encouraged as we do that, that you would do that in, uh, in us and through us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We did it. We actually covered one book in one Sunday.